Revelation chapter 2, please. As you're turning there, this is your uh, this is your last and final chance to ask any questions about chapter one. So speak now or for forever hold your peace. You know that's, this is this is it. So we spent a lot of time there, <laughs> and uh, we will go forward. But I will give you your last opportunity. Chapter one, most important chapter of the book. You've got to have that one down. Otherwise, forget about it. <laughs> it's all unraveling as you go. So, going once and going twice, <laughs> last chance, Revelation 1, anything that did not make sense, anything that you have a question about, things that you need clarification on. Yes? If we decide that the angels were ministers... <laughs> did we decide? Did we, did we decide uh, that the uh, angels that are the seven stars in in Christ's right hand, angels or human messengers? What'd you decide? I think we decided. <laughs> decided? We'll, we'll write that up and tell everybody. Here's what we decided. <laughs> uh, that one is that one is a hard one, um, but if you remember, I said fifty one forty nine. I'm. I'm 51 on human messengers just because how do you write the letter to the angel? I I don't know how you do that as a command, but I'm not going to say you can't uh, because you do have in scriptures that angels delivered the word of God. I mean, we're told in Galatians that it's it's an angel that delivers from God to Moses the, the, the very law. So I'm not going to say, well, that's just is so impossible that you would have something written down and del- delivered through angels. But to me, it makes just a 1% more sense to me <laughs> to go with human rather than spiritual angels. But I will not fight you on that at all because I might change my mind in the next 45 minutes. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm right there on the razor's edge about that, George. Yeah, and and that's the, that's why I kind of am just in the middle. Is that is that I think you can look at it either either way. I, you real you really can. Um, yeah, and I, but I don't know how that would be. I don't know how it would it could be both at the same time. It's probably one or the, one or the other. Uh, I could see the confidence of having this picture of here are God's messengers, human messengers, and they're right here in the right hand of God. What does that mean if they're angels? I'm not quite as sure because to me, the whole idea of the lamp stands in a circle with Christ in the middle and the stars in his hand are all pictures of comfort and protection. So an angel idea is a little bit harder for me to see what that would be telling the people. Uh, but if it's their own people, that makes a lot of sense. You know, the, the people who are uh, making the sacrifice to be the messengers of God who are transporting this, <clears throat> taking the message from John to the churches, vice versa, messages back to John, just like you see with the Apostle Paul while he's in prison and uh, how, like Epaphroditus, risked his life for the process of doing those kinds of things. So I could see it that, that way. But again... I won't argue with you. <laughs> um, so there was no we decided. That was that was definitely a you decide. <laughs> what do you think on that one? Anything else in chapter one, though? Anything else? 
Feel good. You got it. Set to go. Rev it. It's going to be easy now. The rest of the chapters are just going to fall down like dominoes now. Here you go. Piece of cake. All right. Let's do chapter two then. Revelation 2, verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for Uh, my name's sake and you have not grown weary but i have this against you you have abandoned the love you had at first remember therefore from where you have fallen repent and do the works you did at first if not i will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent yet this i have you this but this you have you hate the works of the nicolaitans which i also hate he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, this uh, first letter and to try to take it in order as, as, as best we can. Notice you have a description of Jesus there that he describes himself as he initiates this first letter. Not only the picture, but what what's being emphasized? Why this image? In particular, because if you've if you've looked at these seven churches, you will notice that Jesus has a different self description as he writes to each of these. So there's something that's being emphasized as Jesus brings this picture to himself. Janet, well, we know that Jesus is the head of the church. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. What what gives you the idea that he is aware of what is going on in all of the churches? The, the walking, right? That there's a little bit of something unique here in verse one that you didn't get uh, in in chapter one because you certainly saw him holding the seven stars in his right hand. You saw him in the midst of the lampstands in chapter one, but this one gives you a little bit more of he's walking among them. So you you get a sense that okay, he's near, he's close, and it's not even maybe just watching, but is actively involved. He's moving, which is an important, important picture. Julie? So in chapter 1, there's this grand description of Jesus, and then five of the seven churches will get part of that description. So in Ephesus, he's getting the seven stars and the lampstands, which to me is his authority and his presence, as we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting when you look at the structure of each of the letters. Yes. Yes. That he takes from that chapter one description, he just takes fragments of his description and applies them to each of these churches. That's right. He, it is. He highlights a particular aspect, which is really unique. Debbie? I mean, you know, verse two just spells it right out. And he gets into all of the, the things he does know about. Yeah. So it, it's clear he's very actively involved because he can say, Here's what I know you're doing. Here's the things I don't like that you're doing. Here's the things you need to change. And so he's very aware and very involved, very active in that, Muriel. And he does, right? He knows where, where you've been, where you are, and where he hopes you're going. So I think that's, that is very, very useful. It, this might not be as, as obvious, but perhaps useful to bring up right here is, um, does... 
God care about the local church? You know, we kind of live in a time right now where we either have the universal church or me individual. And I want you to notice you have very strong images of he's among the lampstands. So what are the lampstands representing? Those local churches in Asia Minor. And as he's saying, I'm in the midst of you, I'm walking among you. And sometimes we can get far too individualistic in our view of our service to Christ. It's just me and all that matters is my faith and what I'm doing. And yeah, this is nice, you know, <laughs> but I want us to see that as to, we can't erase the, the local gathering of God's people. That's really emphasized right here because he's doesn't just write and say, uh, okay, Joe, really glad about you. And okay, Jim, glad about you. And okay, Jerry, and okay, you know, it doesn't do that. He, he speaks to the group as a whole and is observing, here's the good things you all are doing collectively. And here's what you're doing that is a mistake collectively. And here's what you need to change collectively. So that's probably useful to, to underscore a little bit because there's been a whole lot more about you know, your personal religion. I've talked about for probably two decades now about pajama religion where you, you, know, you, you sit at home in your pajamas and you're worshiping God. And No. Local church, a local gathering, a local assembly. There's, there, there, there's no just me doing my acts of service to God and that's good enough. That, that there is always the picture of a collective that, that exists. And that's highlighted, highlighted right here. Okay, So now he starts talking about what he knows about them. What does he know? What are some of the good things that's going on in the church in Ephesus? Labor and endurance. So I think I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patient endurance. So, so there's a neat picture. As Christ looks at the church in Ephesus, he says, I know you're working hard. I, I, I know you're laboring. I know that you are active. And I know that you're enduring. Please think about that, that picture. He knows what they're experiencing. Uh, he knows what, what they're going through. A lot of sin and immorality. And if you remember in the book of Acts, is there any problems with uh, being a Christian in Ephesus? Big time. Big time. <laughs> Ephesus is not an easy place to be a Christian. We, we nearly had uh, uh, Paul and his companions killed over the fact of uh, Artemis, the, the great goddess there. And, re and remember, you had the whole gathering within the amphitheater there and the whole crowd's ready to rush down on Paul's companions and Paul wants to run in there and rescue them. And they say, you can't, they're going to tear you limb from limb. And so uh, Ephesus is not going to be an easy place. This is a very important uh, Roman city center uh, in the empire. It is full of pagan idolatry. It's a very important religious center. And so you can imagine the patient endurance that these Christians would have needed to be followers in that kind of city, in that kind kind of realm. So notice Jesus says, I know that. Uh, I know I know your endurance, Charlotte. Um, if we take this to be written by John late in the 80s or 90s, and this church was probably established by Paul in the, what, the 4th or 5th century, it had been in existence then for sure. 
Certainly. And and whatever date you take, whether early or late, you're going to have it existing for decades. In fact, one of the funny things that I read is people will say, well, there's no way for it to be the early date because there's no way for a church to lose its first love that fast. I don't think you've been around the block very long. <laughs> are, are, are you trying to say 20 to 30 years is not long enough for a church to completely disintegrate and fall? You probably know churches who disintegrated faster than that. Uh, so 20 to 30 years, you don't need 50 years for a church to lose its first love. You don't even need that long of a time. You don't even need five years. I mean, it doesn't take long to see a church go from its zenith to collapse uh, in a heartbeat. So just to throw that out there as you bring, bring that up, it has existed for decades. Uh, however, many decades is kind of irrelevant because uh, it can fall fast. You might remember, uh, what did we learn about the days of the judges and about the prior generation of Joshua and what happened with that next generation after Joshua? God. They didn't know God. That took one generation. So, I mean, that, that just is your kids who they grow up and don't get it. So to, to think that you need extraordinary amounts of time for a church to completely uh, lose it, its way. No, it, it unfortunately doesn't take long at all. And if you've been in places, you know, it can take one preacher, one bad leader, one crazy member. <laughs> it can take... Just one or two, and you can suddenly spin things spin things out. Yeah. One two-year COVID, or yeah, or, yeah, even two years of, of COVID, we saw a whole lot of crazy things happen. I mean, it doesn't take long to watch a church lose its bearings. It doesn't doesn't take long at all. So uh, to read this, yes, this church has been around for decades, and yet you're going to see a massive problem already creeping in, Julie. <clears throat> I think that's a great, great thought. I want, I'd like for the class to kind of think through that, that idea even a little bit further. You have in verse 4, it's saying they've abandoned the love that they had at first. So, but what did verses 2 and 3 say they're doing? They're patiently enduring. They've got, they have works. They're laboring. Right. Testing, finding out those who are calling themselves to be apostles, but are not. So they're trying to determine not tolerating evil. Okay, so here's my question. So how can you be doing works, patient endurance, laboring, not tolerating evil, testing those who claim to be apostles that are not and leave your first love? 
Okay, Pharisees might be kind of a way to put it. More, more worried to the external, missing the heart. I think that's a, that's a good, good way to describe it. Think of other things of what's going on, how that could be. That, you know, half-hearted. Okay. All right. I think I think so. It's really an interesting thought, isn't it, to say you've you've left the, the first level. Well, maybe let's quantify what that looks like. Maybe that'll help us a little bit. What does it mean to leave the love you had at the first? I don't necessarily know your thoughts, but I think that they've got all of the shunning the wrong, but when you take that out, you've got to put something in there. Okay. He didn't say you're shunning the evil and teaching the Lord and loving the Lord, okay. feeling that kind of thing. So I think that that's, that's yeah. that first love that you need to put right. back in it. Yes, get rid of all of that, tell people they're wrong, but fill something back in Okay. fill what you're missing absolutely yeah absolutely that that seems to be there's there's some kind of heart that's lacking uh would zeal be a good word to put here you think about the love you have at the start what that looks like versus now you've got time going by so maybe some of the the the, the fire and the energy and the zeal and the the, the go and the drive has has waned down but they're still concerned about works and evil and wrong, and they're still patiently enduring. Yeah. No, you probably have to. Marriage is like this all the time. We're, we're taking care of yeah. the things that we're supposed to take care of, but there's things within each person's life that they are more in love with and are more passionate about yeah. than one another. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, this should be kind of a, a, a scary visual is that you can have a local church that appears to be standing for the truth, stands against what's false, proclaims what's evil, patiently enduring, they have works of faith, and yet it's just a shell. And there's not the love from the start underneath it. It's kind of like you started on the right track, You've still got the externals rolling, but the internals are falling apart. And maybe marriage is kind of a good example of it, is that the shell still exists, but it's kind of just the motions. It's not really the fire. It's not really the zeal. It's not really the love. It's just kind of still there. You ever seen churches like that? Probably have. It's not too hard to see churches that have shells. But inside, the heart's not really there, but the form is all there. They're still doing everything right. Everything still looks pretty on Sunday, but, but the guts are not there. It's not, it's not for real. It's just, you know, time card, clock it in. Here we are. Got your hour. God's happy. Let's go, you know, back, back to life as normal, Kathy. Yeah, there's, that, that's part of it, right? Is that this is the, the very core of it all, right? <laughs> You've got all the, the, the works all look great, but you forgot something really, really important, which kind of goes back to what Dennis was saying about the Pharisees. That was the very thing. You had all of those works that Jesus doesn't condemn. Glad you're doing all those things, but you missed the guts of it all. <laughs> you missed the core. You missed the, the thing that matters most of it. Yeah. And it was just it was just a shell. Yeah. There wasn't anything there and then they started introducing the support of that uh, the agenda of um, homosexuality. 
Absolutely. Dathan? I, I tend to, to think that this, you know, the, to lose your first love is, is really to forget the cross. You, yeah. Peter says in his first, um, first Peter chapter 2 that they, they have forgotten that they have been cleansed from yeah. their past. That's right. And I think that once we lose the focus of the cross, that, 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 we, that, that really ought to be that's right. And there's a lot of similarity what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were looking in Matthew's gospel about um, the Sabbath. That the focus became so rule-oriented, they forgot the whole reason for the rule. <laughs> forgot why they were even doing it in the first place. You know, How, how dare you heal on the Sabbath? It's like, you've, you've forgotten the whole reasoning that's going on here, and you've zeroed in on just that external line. Uh, Julie? That's right. So uh, there's a, a three-prong um, response that Jesus has here. And the first one that Julie shows us there in verse 5. Remember from where you've fallen. That can be a little scary to think about. And we should do that as individuals. And he's telling them to do it as a local church. Think about where you were, how you started... And now where you are. And it should be an upward trajectory. Faith should be getting stronger. Love should be getting stronger. You should see improvement in your zeal and devotion toward God. And so one of the great questions that I think is is being uh, proposed here is, you know the love you had at the beginning. Now where are you? Remember how far you've fallen. You are on fire for God. You were ready to light up the world for God. You, you were consumed with the things of God. And now it's become a shell. Now it's just become taking care of some external actions, doing some works. Okay, we're not going to do evil. You know, we're going to patiently endure. We're at church. We're doing our thing. And he's getting underneath all that and says, yeah, great that you're, you're doing your works and, and you're patiently enduring and you're keeping away from evil and testing those who claim to be apostles. Not, not criticizing that at all. Keep doing that. Glad you're doing it. He applauds them for it. Keep on with that. Doesn't tell them that's wrong. But he asks an, an insightful question. Remember the love you had at the beginning. Look at how far you've fallen. And so that should be an upward trajectory for individuals, and it should be for a church. It should be that the church is growing in that love and devotion, that that's just on display and growing all the more. The church is not moving more and more to the shell, but moving more and more to a depth 
and boy, how, how sad it is to think about uh, Ephesus isn't the only place where that was a problem. You know, that that's something that's easy to observe where it just becomes about form and shell. Externals show up, do some things. We all look pretty, <laughs> you know, did our things that we need to do. We got our steps of salvation, got our acts of worship, you know, check, 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 1130, let's get out of here, you know, that kind of mentality and not a real depth of love. And he says, so so look at where you, how far you, you've fallen. So there's the first picture, he says, I want you to remember. I just want you to think about where you were and where you are. And if it's not been an upward move, then the next thing he says is to do what? Repent. You got to do something about that. Let that be convicting. That should be convicting as an individual and as, as a church is that things are not upward moving in terms of love and devotion and faith. Do something about it. <laughs> be convicted by it. Don't, don't go, oh man, the good old days. <laughs> you know, we, we remember when things were so much better back then. You know, Let's do something about it. Be convicted by it. So you'll notice a repentance that leads to what? What's the third thing he says? Yeah, the things you were doing at the beginning, do it again. So if you wanted to keep to the R's, you can have a restart right here. Remember, repent, and restart. Uh, you got to restart. You, you, everything you did when you first started, do it again. That's good marriage advice, by the way. That, that's just how relationships work. Things become a shell. Restart what you did at the beginning. Things are a shell in service to God as an individual. Restart what you did at the beginning. Restart those early things. As a, as a local church, we look around and go, things aren't what they ought to be. Restart. Let, let, let's restart on the things that need to be done. Miriam? Also, sometimes you might get some individuals that are on fire, but others aren't. That's right. And the individual that's right. And that's one of the unique things that happens in these seven churches is while he will talk broadly about the group in pluses and minuses, he will speak about certain individualistic cases or groups within the whole and what needs to be done about that. And I think that's useful for us to keep in mind is that there is a, a way to think about, OK, well, what are we going to do with those who are struggling or who are completely wrong? Like he's going to talk about here. And what does that look like in terms of our, our service to God? So I think that's that's uh, that's really important. Debbie. Okay, let's talk about that. That's a really big deal. He says, now, if you don't remember and repent and restart, he says, I'm going to remove your lampstand from its place. All right, so tell me what that means. How should we understand that picture? Sounds like it's going to dissolve the church. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So how does that work? What does that look like? So we've got some curious imagery, right? Jesus saying, I've got these seven lampstands that are the seven churches and I'm in the midst and I'm walking around and he says now if you don't remember repent and restart I'm going to pick one of these up and move it over there I'm just going to remove it you're not do in fellowship with God anymore you want to talk about really being a shell <laughs> God not in your midst God's not even with you anymore. He just goes, you're, you're not even, you know, this is, this is just all false. 
Which, by the way, have we not seen myriads of pictures of that from the Old Testament prophets? God's saying, I'm not with you guys. You guys have got all the shell and all the actions and you're doing all your thing. But I'm not there. We just saw Ezekiel's vision where God just left the place. He just left the temple and said, see ya. Um, done with done with you guys. Well, that's a similar idea as to right here. God's just saying, I'm not with you. If you don't wake up, remember, repent, and restart. I'm not with you. That's a pretty big deal because isn't that the whole reason we're here? Hopefully. Uh, it's unfortunate that sometimes a church can just turn into self-sustaining. You know, we, we just exist to exist. <laughs> we're just here to be here. and Let's just make sure we're here. They're like, no, that's not why we exist. If God's not in our midst and God's not with us, then what's the point? There's no reason for what we are doing. So really big statement to say, uh, this is a really big deal, which it should be obvious to us. If you leave your first love, is that a big deal? If you're not loving Christ like you, like you ought to, that kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of severing fellowship relationship there. We don't have much of a relationship if you, you know, don't really have that love anymore. I mean, again, marriage is a good example of that. Yeah, I still do some of the externals, but, you know, we don't really care about each other. Well, it's kind of a problem. <laughs> it's kind of an issue. Uh, that's what God's saying here is this is kind of an issue. A really, really big deal. Dennis, did you have something? I can't get it out of my mind. It's an experience which I would not wish upon anyone. Okay. Okay. Being a member of a congregation which was very productive, very fruitful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> watching transitions go through all these things. Yep. I mean, even a, a minister who came in who I never heard a positive sermon from. Everything was always identifying those who, who are not teaching right and all these right. things like that. And that just infests the whole congregation. And that congregation is now a Catholic congregation. Mm. It was disbanded. Right. And it was good people there, but not enough. Right. And to live through that is can I ask you a question? Can you give me an estimate of about how long you think it took from the moment things started cracking to dissolving? Probably 15 years. We don't need 50, 60 years, do we? No, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. Uh, and here, here's Ephesus with that kind of thing. Is you let the cracks start. You better start doing something about it. And uh, yeah, it's a shame that you're, I'm sure, not the only one who has been through watching churches go through that kind of thing, Mike. It's uh, also a domino effect, cause and effect, uh, with them not being there. There's something that goes under that heading. Um, no longer, um, you know, by you and his grace, we no longer even consider yeah. something that he has to extend. That's right. Yeah, it's a pretty scary thing that you're out of fellowship, you're out of grace, you're out of mercy. Right? This is, this is all. It's been taken away. It's a it's a very vivid image. So let me ask a silly question. So does it matter what we do as a church? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it most certainly does. Again, it doesn't just simply boil down to, well, I'm doing my thing. And as long as I'm doing my thing, it matters what we do together as a group. It matters the work that we do together. That needs to be seen. 
And what a group is practicing, what a group is teaching is important. It matters. And we have to see that right here because here's, here's Jesus going, if you don't figure this out, we're not in fellowship. We're, we're, we're done. There was a hand this way, Janet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I think those are good questions about trying to get get a handle on the kind of love that we have for God. Am I excited about worship? Am I excited about Bible study? Am I excited about prayer? Am I excited about serving others and loving one another? All of those things are just really important questions for us to be thinking about that are trying to put our finger on. Do we still have the love now? that we had at the beginning, that kind of fire and that kind of zeal, that kind of energy, that kind of I want to go and do, or do we start losing that? And I think by by natural circumstance, just like a normal fire, it wanes unless you put fuel on it. If you think you can just come up out of the waters of baptism and push the coast button, your fire's going to go out. You have to keep fanning the flame. You need to keep putting fuel on the fire. You have to keep going at it. Otherwise, it will absolutely die out. And that's one of the reasons for the local church is we're putting fuel on each other's fires. Is we're trying to encourage one another and stir each other up and motivate each other and push each other and say, let's keep going. Let's keep doing this. Don't don't go into coast. Don't don't slide off now. Keep pressing on. Because it's easy for the fire to go out. You're seeing that right here. It's really easy for that just to slide off. And it just become form. And just become actions. And it not really be from the heart. And you can go to enough places to know the difference. It doesn't take long to sit in a group of people and know. If the, the love for the Lord is really there. Or if it's just form. And some substance there, Dathan. The, when you consider the <coughs> condemnation in light of the commendation, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance, and so on. You know, I've seen doctrine and so on and everything. It, it seems really because without that the condemnation, you don't think that this church is doing pretty well based on the commendation. That's right. Very, very important, right, Stan? Uh, the ultimate kind of picture of the shell is Jesus who constant battle with Christ. For sure. Yeah. So he's, I think John is saying that you are on a path yeah. that says don't go there. That's right. Because you're going to end up this way and you'll find that the other churches have similar places. Absolutely. I think that's right. When Jesus dealing with the scribes and Pharisees is that same kind of shell problem where you had every bit of form looking good. They looked religious. It all seemed great. Uh, but Jesus is able to peer right through that and go, you, you don't have any of the substance that's needed of that. Yeah. 
That's right. Yeah, absolutely. That that desire for repentance and the willingness to to repent and restart is, is ultimately everything. Uh, in fact, that is the idea there of verse seven. We we get used to you know he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We, we're used to Jesus saying that. That's in the Old Testament as well because you have God. It, it, this is an idiom essentially to say. Are you really willing to listen to what I'm saying and change? That's what that idiom is getting at. Yeah, you've got ears, but are you really hearing what I'm saying that you're willing to do something about it? So let them hear, let them understand, let it sink in, let them really grasp this and do something about that, Debbie. Sure. I don't know that there's like an absolute like thermometer bar. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you didn't make it up to here. So. But I do think there's a relative one that the, the, the fire and the zeal that you had for God, is it going up or going down? And I think that's the question that's being asked is, is it getting stronger or is it getting weaker? And we all will start at different places with that. And over time, that's supposed to be building and building and building. And that's not an instantaneous thing. I mentioned to you, I think a lot of times we, we start with God and it's a fear of hell and I don't want eternal punishment. And time should be moving us to a greater love and a greater appreciation for the grace of God and what he's done and then who he is. We start moving up the chain. And, and, but that's the way God operated, right? I mean, if you use Israel as the model... What was their original reason for thankfulness? We're not slaves in Egypt anymore. <laughs> Yay. And then he starts building on that, right? I want you to see who I am. Look how I cared for you. I provided for you. I gave you everything you needed. Now you can see my character. And look how I'm forgiving you. And I'm not wiping you out in the wilderness. But I'm going to keep my promises. And it was supposed to build an appreciation as they come to know the knowledge of God. But it all started with, woohoo, we're not in Egypt anymore. You know, we, we, we start there and it's supposed to be moving up. Not moving down. And apparently somehow with Ephesus, it's moving down. And, and they're not growing in that excitement for God. But it's just simply go to church. Do your thing. Yep, they're evil. We're great. Yay us. Verse 6. Uh, Nicolaitans don't like you. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're bad. Okay. We're, we're high five to all of us. But man, a lot of churches do that. Well, we're so glad we're not like those terrible people out there. High five to us. Let's all go home. And he goes, no, no, no. <laughs> You've completely missed it, Charlotte. Israel wanted to go back to Egypt. And they did. Yeah, Zeal went the wrong way on that for a while, right? God had to work with them and teach them some things. Mike, you put something Right. I'm not 
times we yeah. ask for forgiveness yeah. for that. And it's such a, obviously it's so important that he references you can be doing everything else correctly. That's right. But if you're not repenting from not loving right. enough, can I say it this way? The point I think you're making a great point. Stop repenting over the symptoms and start repenting over the problem. The problem is your love. Stop hitting all the symptoms. The symptoms will get better if you'll get to the problem. Get to the heart of it. Kathy? Well, it is. And here's the good news, Kathy. What you just said is every single Christian's battle. <laughs> every day. Now stuff happens in life and the schedule blows up and all the things that you were set out to do. All right, I'm going to be on fire for God. I'm going to do all this. And then Monday just goes, <laughs> you know, and you're like, ah. And so it is a battle. I think that you, you put it right, right perfectly is that it is a constant struggle and battle to try to keep that fire going because that's what happens is things choke it out and, and cover it over. And so we have to, we have to fight for that time and, and, and do everything we can to keep that going. Whatever manipulations we have to do with our time or working out our schedule or things that we've got to do, uh, is, is very important to that. Otherwise, it, you, it's like diets and exercise. You give it one day, that turns to a week, to a month, to a year, to, ah, I ain't doing that anymore. You know, it's you got to be right on top of it, Julie. That's right. Yeah. What what a beautiful image to end out the, this letter to Ephesus uh, in verse seven to be able to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. We we haven't seen that. All the way back. And you think about how you have in the garden, God essentially closing the doors to the garden to humanity. Got the flaming cherub there with sword. Nobody's coming back into this place. And now here is this picture of him stepping out of the way and saying, you can come in and renew that relationship and not only have that that eternity but please think about the beauty of what that garden was was god walking with humanity you know in the cool of the day and that's just a, we can't even begin to grasp what in the world that looked like just you know god and humans just in the garden together and so here's a picture of that restoration that's going to be be put back to those who overcome to those who Remember, repent, and restart. I'll grant you that ability. Liz? I was going to say, they did use a commentary in the letter Bible. They say, thirdly, at least in the short term, Ephesians, he is warning Ignatius of Antioch, praise the love and the doctrine of the truth of Ephesians. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and they, they, they and that's certainly being praised, right? They, they certainly have the purity and the works, uh, but but lacking lacking the guts is kind of the way I would put it. Is lacking uh, that fire that that should have been there. So uh, it really is a beautiful picture and the idea of being in the paradise of God. Remember Jesus saying that to the criminal on the cross today. You will be with me in paradise. There is that hope that sits right there is that because of what Christ has accomplished, if we will repent and have that heart and restart, that's what's being being offered to us. So really neat picture there. So I want you to think about that not only as an individual, but think about your piece of the puzzle to this local church. So don't just think about, about how I need to restart. Great. But think about your, you being as one cog in this wheel that we have here, this big machine that we've got, <laughs> this, this church, and you being an integral piece of that, that puzzle. And what can you do to be able to help us in that remember, repent, restart, and be the people that God wants us to be? All right, 15-minute break. We'll reconvene at 1030 for our hour of worship. And uh, Lord willing, next week we'll take on the next church, the church in Smyrna. Thank you everybody for your comments.